Hello everybody, welcome along to another episode of the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, and as ever, I wish you a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you join today's Event Industry News Podcast from. Um, a warm welcome to everybody today, and uh, and a warm welcome to our guest, a first-timer to the Event Industry News Podcast, but first-timers are always welcome. They've always got something interesting to say. Our guest today is Mr. Denzel Rankin. Denzel is the Executive Chairman at AMR International a firm providing strategy consulting services globally from London, New York, Paris and New Delhi, specialising in technology, information, media and events. And it's a very warm welcome to Mr. Denzel Rankin this morning. Denzel, welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, and it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, yes, um, I, I hope you don't mind me pointing out, but um, our guest today, um, uh, Denzel, fell foul of, of, of the dreaded virus uh, a week or so ago when we were originally going to record. So it's great to see you looking, you know, relatively fit and healthy, all things considered, Denzel. Hope that you're uh, you're back on your feet and feeling a little bit better than last week. Yeah, thank you. I'm sorry we had to postpone. Uh, but I think a lot of people are getting COVID <laughs> as a rite of passage. Uh, and I was just one of those people. But that's part of the journey we're all going through, isn't it? It absolutely is, yeah. And uh, yes, great, great to see you back on your feet, and uh, and a very warm welcome today. And and what we're going to be talking about today is, is first of all, a little bit about AMR International um, to find out what those guys do. But um, then more specifically, um, uh, uh, them introducing something that they're calling Exhibitions 3.0. More of that in a few minutes' time. But Denzel, first of all, for any of our podcast listeners who have not come across AMR International and what the company does, you founded it in 1991. Tell us why it was founded and what services it provides yeah okay i'm happy to do so um and that's some time back uh, isn't it? <laughs> uh, so back, back then i i founded the, the business because i had this fundamental belief that if someone was going to make an investment get into something new or buy a company you needed to speak to customers and understand the market and no one knew what commercial due diligence was at the time so it was like an evangelical journey uh, that I really believed in to say, you need to speak to customers, understand markets and so on before you write a check and get into anything new. And it got going and that's now really a mainstream service. But that's where we started. And the, the first client we worked with was called Reed International. So that's now become yeah. LX and Reed Exhibitions, of course, is part of that. And so that really positioned us very strongly around B2B information uh, marketing services, uh, data information, and so on, which is part of what some people call TMT. So if you wind the clock on, we're still involved in, in that, and we've been involved in commercial due diligence and the biggest mergers and, and small deals as well. But we've also become more interested in strategy work. And when we've been working with different event organizers and then also others in the events ecosystem and private equity investors, They've said, okay, we like the way you do this. Can you help us with the strategy? Because some of those really you know, big expensive names aren't perhaps what we need. So we've ended up becoming much more involved in strategy. And I think we've put our feet on the ground in about 40 countries around the world working in the events industry. So we really do operate globally. And then coming out of that, we've become really interested in transformation and the changes needed uh, within the events industry obviously uh, driven by technology and we've got the pandemic being a COVID accelerator. Mm. So we've really become more involved in, in uh, transformation and really enjoying that as well. 
So I hope that makes sense of the, the journey that we've been on. Events and exhibitions is a very big part of what we do, but we continue to work in other parts of information, business, media, and, and so on. Mm, absolutely. And the, 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 I've, I've jotted down here the word accelerator because you just use the term COVID accelerator, which is brilliant because it very it sums up quite succinctly what happened coming up nigh on two years ago now you know yeah. people had dipped their toes and looked at sort of transforming and adapting and evolving and some companies had embraced it a little bit better than others others had dipped their toe in the water but were still hesitant to maybe go in certain directions and I love the term COVID accelerator because that's exactly what it was. The pandemic happened and everybody, it, you know, you, you either do it or you don't do it. And if you don't do it, the chances are you're going to be left behind. So you've got to accelerate with everybody. Yeah. And it's, it's applies across different industries. That doesn't just apply to the events industry. So many things we see this change uh, being accelerated. I think Warren Buffett said, when the tide goes out, you can see who's been swimming naked. So I think part of, of that comes into play with COVID. If we look at the industry pre-COVID, the data which we publish through uh, Globex, which is mm -hmm. an annual forecast on the uh, events industry, showed that this was an industry that was 2% digital and 98% analog. Now, there are not many industries that had that uh, really bias towards being so limited in uh, digital. Mm. And, and so I think the events industry obviously is a fantastic success for shareholders uh for exhibitors visitors participants it was really working very well uh, but before the pandemic um i think we saw that there were already some tensions but they weren't that obvious to everyone because people were still making money uh investors were investing in businesses spending a lot of, uh, of money paying high multiples so high re um, numbers of profits Mm. Uh, to buy businesses and I think you know that I wrote a book with Marco Giberti <clears throat> and the ah. idea came just before the pandemic in fact we met the day before lockdown in the United States <laughs> and decided to do this and so that book was called Reinventing Live the always on future of events and we had no clue what the pandemic would bring but we both knew that change was needed because the industry was just ever so slightly losing against alternatives, alternative ways of spending marketing money, alternative ways, that's for exhibitors and sponsors, sure. alternative ways for um, visitors or attendees uh, to use their time and to create whatever relationship they wanted. Although the events industry was growing, it was growing slightly less fast than alternative channels. Mm. And we saw the need for that change. And then, yes, the COVID accelerator comes and it turns out that we're just delighted that everything we talked about in the book really has been proven out and proven relative, uh, relevant. Mm. And uh, how much of the book, um, I suppose, ties into this Exhibitions 3.0? Because if I'm right in recapping, for the last few years, AMR has had this Exhibition 2.0 framework that's helped organisers rethink, improve customer satisfaction, achieve sustainable growth, all those sort of key things that we were looking at before the pandemic. Um, so how much of a driver was the book towards Exhibitions 3.0? And if you can tell us a bit more about that, or was it the opposite way around? Did you have exhibitions 3.0 within the organization and that helped shape the book? 
Uh, no, it, it's it's an evolution essentially. So, and thanks for pointing out to exhibitions two point uh, two that that was a really great initiative, and it remains valid. And I can't remember if we launched that four years ago or, or whatever it was. But the, the simple thesis there is that it's possible to achieve more with, for example, a major trade show mm -hmm. uh, by applying really up-to-date management techniques and so on to the, the trade show. And for example, uh, there was a survey, again, I quoted this in, in the book, 50% of association shows in the United States do not have a strategy. Uh, they're simply operating to a budget or to a plan. So you take last year's floor plan, mm -hmm. you photocopy it, uh, the finance guys ask for a budget, you squeeze it down a bit and <laughs> you just do it again. And there's one um, association we work with where we said, you really shouldn't have that sign at the bottom of the escalator saying, see you again next year, because you need to be in touch with people a little bit more often than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but there was no, no strategy. And our view is that, an event has to have a strategy as to how it's going to serve the industry and and that ties into so many things so that's just one of the i think dozen initiatives within exhibitions 2.0 where we simply said here are the different things you can do and somewhere around digital some might be around pricing some around data and so on these are initiatives a toolbox that you can use to improve your events make it more valuable to your uh, customers and also end up making more money so that was exhibitions 2.0 and it was very valid it remains valid and we ran some really inspiring workshops for various uh, leadership teams and we've helped certain events really put that in into place and it's really worked out very well so that was 2.0 uh, then we come into the pandemic and uh, Marco, who's a fantastic guy, I, I think he knows just about everyone, but maybe one or two of you don't know him. He really is the guy who understands event technology and he's been a successful entrepreneur and an investor himself. So we were a perfect combination with him bringing that very tech angle and I was bringing the strategy angle. The thesis is that we knew that there had to be change in the industry. Mm. Uh, and so that was, we put that out there just hoping to help and we're delighted with the feedback on that. And then working with colleagues at AMR, including Florent Jarry, we came up with the concept of community catalyst. Uh, and this was really about thinking of the changing role of the event uh, organizer or essentially the event brand in its industry. And we see that community catalyst is what some major events can to be so yeah. what is a community catalyst it means you're not just there to rent a hall um, erect booths get people in there you are actually going to serve the needs of that community and part of that is going to be around, around excuse me still a bit of COVID there <laughs> well, I, I am testing uh, negative still got a cough uh, part of that is around uh, no, the, the, the business, commerce, making connections and so on. And another part is serving the industry with whether it's advocacy, whether it's education, and very interestingly, some of the things which associations are, are doing. And it means that you're taking a forefront role in the community. Mm -hmm. So we created that concept and 
that really resonated. Now, not every single event can become a community catalyst. Uh, major ones can, and there are steps on the way. But it's a way of thinking. So we then developed that as, as the pandemic uh, rolled on. We saw this was really a future role or possibly a North Star for some. And then Exhibitions 3.0, this has come out of the work we've been doing with various uh, organizers and discussions we're having with organizers. And I think the point here is really fundamentally not just about an event, for example, a major trade show. It's about the organization and how the organization should think and behave. And then within it, whether it's got one major event or a set of events, they can then actually um, operate differently in, again, what I'm going to describe as a really much more modern and joined up way, focused fundamentally on the customer. Mm. And it's interesting that, well, I've actually just underlined the word customer on my notes here when I, I, I've got the um, the exhibitions 3.0 text in front of me. And I've literally, just before you said that, underlined that word customer and the reason I've done that is because in certain events, not all of them, but certain events, there are two, sometimes three customer bases. You look at an exhibition organizer, for example, they've got the people who walk through the door, their visitors, their attendees, their customers. They've got their exhibitors, the people who are in the booths, on the trade stands, their customers. Yeah. They've also got it, you could argue, even though the money's going in one direction, that the suppliers and the people that are working with that they're they're, they're they're you know certain group of customers as well. They're sponsors, certainly, uh, are customers. So when you look at visitors, exhibitors, sponsors, customers can cover quite a broad range depending on the type of event organizer. And so there are all sorts of different considerations that have to fall in with those two or three types, sometimes four of, of customer. Yeah. Now, look, this whole customer discussion is really important and, and very interesting. And I'm delighted that it, it's kind of leapt off the page at you because that's the fundamental thing we want to get to is understanding customers and having a genuine customer centric culture. And, and there are a lot of businesses that would say they're customer centric, but I think we would challenge them and say, well, perhaps you're not. You're more paying lip service to that. And we've definitely worked with people who said, oh, yeah, the exhibitors are our customers because they give us the money. Of course, they're the customers. And I, I think we would challenge that to say, well, actually, maybe your visitors or your attendees, uh, maybe they really are the customers because without them, you're not going to uh, achieve anything with exhibitors. But also, actually, we'd like to take a step back from that and say, that's not really the right place to start. Uh, if we look at visitors, we know that about half of visitors who register don't actually show up. And so when people say, oh, visitors are the customers, are we talking about the visitors who are just walking on the floor of a show? Mm -hmm. What about the half who didn't turn up? Well, they actually are our customers too. Of course and they are. Let's, take, let's take another step back. Well, what about the visitors who never registered, but who should have registered, but are on our database? Um, are they our customers as well? And then let's take another step back. We work with one association um, and we help them with universe mapping. And it turned out there were 20,000 customers that they didn't have in their database, although they were convinced they knew everyone. Uh, but <laughs> 20,000 they were missing. So that's the universe. So I think there's a fundamental challenge 
to who are our customers mm. and, and who should and 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 so how do we define them and i think so often we see this too narrowly and so we should really say we have this role in the community we've got this role in the market here is a customer set we need to address now not everyone is going to know us or love us or feel that we have permission to offer them a whole range of services sure. but let's start by understanding that and not just focus on those who turn up on day one of the event so it's, it's a mindset about understanding those customers and then the next thing is quite often i would challenge people i would say well what's the one thing you need to know and I ask that question so often, and I don't think anyone has ever given me the answer, which I personally think is the right one. And, and, and what do you need to know? The answer is, why did those people not sleep last night? And if you know why they didn't sleep last night, i.e. what business problem they're trying to solve, and you can then go and help them solve it, you're then in their head, and you're going to begin to start to give them some offerings that make sense. And then you do your classic segmentation. Mm. So not all customers are going to be the same. <laughs> and in marketing terms, you start developing what are called personas. And, and they can be quite powerful. You segment your database. You can just get a lot smarter about how you are understanding the customer universe, what they need, what their choices are, and how we approach them. And, and is that going to be assisted if the statistic that you read out earlier starts becoming a little bit more balanced. So as we become more than 2% digital and less than 98% analog, as that statistic starts to move slowly to never being quite 50-50, but more balanced, is that is that ultimately going to help? Is that what we're aiming for, is to reduce or increase those two statistics in the right way? Yeah, they are interlinked, is, is the obvious point. So obviously when we have a digital relationship with our customers we can track and we can have a much better understanding of what they do we can track their behavior we can get a better sense of value and so on and of course there's a lot of exciting things we can do about the physical customers tracking where they are um, in an exhibition hall and we can track their digital journey before sometimes during and after an event as well uh, so i think there are there are We've got to be careful of this word digital because it can mean so many things to so many different people. Mm. Uh, the 2% digital revenue simply means that we're not offering a sufficient level of digital services and different people give different figures. Um, you know, it used to be 10%, sometimes it's 20%, I've heard higher, and then you have to define digital. But fundamentally, we need to have a much higher proportion of digital revenues because it means we're then serving customers in much better ways mm. but then the other way to think of this this word digital of course is the way we use data there's a digital exhaust where everyone uh, is, is going and traveling this is helping us with data and we I've talked about you know, that database that's our based on our customer universe understanding it segmenting it and really tracking that is going to be a very important thing and there are better and better tools and, and skills available. But I think there's a long way to go in the way in which we are using data to understand uh, customers. For example, could we get to the point of understanding purchasing intent through the, the digital journey? Mm. Because purchasing intent would be incredibly important. That might be very ambitious for some, but there could be steps on the way. 
So I think we're talking about digital in two ways. One is creating revenues where value is delivered. And the second is using all of the tools which are available uh, to us. Should, should we be using the word digital at all? No, no, we shouldn't. That's a great question. Uh, so it's funny that Exhibition 3.0, is, is, we've been running programs like this with some organizers. And some of them say, oh, this is our digital transformation program. And um, fine, no, no harm in them saying that. But we didn't want to call this a digital transformation program because uh, that means so many things to so many people. Mm. Now, I mean, in my early career, we did a lot of work in industrial stuff and you'd walk around the factory and it was fascinating. Would, would you say to anyone in the factory, do you do electricity here? I mean, it'd be a bonkers question. Well, actually, they might have pneumatic or hydraulic, whatever. You know, but yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you can say to people, well, do you do digital? It, it's a mad question. I, I, th th this, is, this is why I asked, because I think that it puts people off. It scares people who don't fully understand it. But the reality is everybody's digital. Yeah. You know, pe pe people's grandparents who are 80 years old now have yeah. iPads and they read their news. We're all digital, look. We're all no, yeah. Last time I looked, I didn't see people working from home with a Rolodex and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, you yeah. know, a, a yeah. circular dial phone, you know, everyone. And so I think there are certain terms that, actually, we need to just start abandoning and saying, right, well, instead of having a digital marketing strategy, well, what other marketing strategy is there nowadays? Because very few, few people use the print press like they did 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. you know. yeah. Look, we completely agree. So, and that's why we don't call this digital transformation. And I think somewhere in the, the white paper, we say some people call it that. This is simply a modern way of working. Yeah. It's a way to look at it. So it's a modern way of working and it's really based on, on customer needs. I think another thing that we really emphasize is that you've got to have some kind of North Star um, as a term of we know what our direction is going to be and mm -hmm. we have alignment in the organization. And obviously this needs to come from the top. The CEO needs to, to buy into it. Uh, and it really means that we can articulate what we're going to be and it can be a really useful thing to say, what is the art of the possible? What, where, how far can we push this? And then you obviously you know, put a realistic uh, uh, spin on that and you can come up with whether it's a mission statement or something. And we need the team to understand that we're now going to do things in a different way. And, and sometimes you give that a name for whatever changes you're making within an organization. But we think it's really important to start with that north star mm -hmm. um we then think that this whole customer need point that you you, you picked on absolutely correctly is, is the next big thing and then it's about changing ways of working uh and i think that we're in where it can be sometimes a little bit is that someone joining in? There's a dog barking in the background. Yes, this is, yes. L ladies and gentlemen, we, we, we should should point out that both the dogs are here today, Bonnie and Mabel, and, oh, and they've been very good. they've been they've been very good so far. But that's them wanting to have their say on exhibitions 3.0. So, well, so I, 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 I'll take that as applause. I, I've got a dog that's completely mad, but fortunately, it's yes. nowhere near the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're, they're here with me today. It's probably the postman that's been. Anyway, listeners, so apologies. Apolo apologies for that introduction on today. No, you don't need to apologize because that's <laughs> actually new ways of working and we're doing a new way of working here but yeah. i think 
that this is an industry which has tended to be quite conservative in in some ways mm. uh, because if you run for example an event every year you're a little bit nervous about testing something whereas if you've got a website up 365 and you're trading through that we know that you know, amazon is constantly testing you could eas- e- just as easily be on a test site as on the real site yes uh, seeing whether the color pink or blue causes you to click left or right or whatever it is <laughs> um and i think because on the annual cycle there's a bit more conservatism but we do see that it's possible to actually bring in agile ways of working and we've seen yeah. some people change uh to that with test and learn approach um and that's very powerful again that's going to be part of the culture story and the way in which leadership is going to say okay if we fail on something that's okay we're not going to beat you up uh for that yeah so this isn't just a question of saying oh well let's go and hire a digital person who will sit <laughs> at the end of the corridor and be a bit of a geek or whatever this is not at all that this is about new ways of working testing and learning can we make these skills endemic in the organization so everyone is understanding new ways of working although your organization won't always allow that to begin with and with things really which are cutting edge you might want to have those at the center in the mm-hmm. first instance but i think there's a lot of thinking around the organization and the people and the culture and i get to refer to some another concept we came up with but this was 8 or 10 years ago that was media company of the future uh, and that was focused on you know b2b media as well as events mm. and people were quite shocked when we simply said yeah there'll be fewer people but they'll be paid more and and that is absolutely playing out because we know that there's a war for talent and we know that getting the right skills is very tricky mm-hmm. but fundamentally i think this is playing out we we can automate we don't necessarily need to have quite as many people but we need to have better qualified people in order to deliver within these new ways of of working Mm. What well, one one final question today please Denzel if I may uh, before before we start to wrap up um this this north star and the whole idea of having a, a strategy a clear strategy to what you're doing as uh, as an event um and in any business if you work with a client and you develop this strategy and you say this is what we're going to do this is our north star this is what we're aiming for how important is is it to also develop and identify key i suppose there are say kpis so steps along that route along that journey to say look we are on track here because often people can set themselves these big strategies and ultimate goals and what they want to achieve but until they get there they sort of don't really know how they got there if you see what i mean Yeah look you're absolutely right it needs to be joined up doesn't it so we we set the vision we have a strategy and then you're going to have an implementation on on that and you have you'll have a timetable goals and and so on and and you run that uh carefully and of course there'll be minor course corrections and and so on as there always are as as things arise but i think you're absolutely right in talking about measures of success because uh, that is something which we need to look at differently uh we're very used to you know the revenue numbers profit numbers but used to you know visitor numbers square meters and so on but i think we want to look at some you know, customer kpis so and they can be around you know quality of engagement so the extent to which we've got engagement and that can be the engagement through the year uh with 
know, our relationship with them, it may be just through newsletters or whatever that is. So that's the base engagement. Then you've got the, the high traffic moments. Mm. So those could be whether they're webinars or something which are run during the year or other types of high traffic moments. And then you've got the peak engagements. And, and that's not just counting the number of people who turned up. It's actually understanding what they did and what value they're giving to your ex exhibitor customers. Um, and then you've got your, you know, your brand KPIs. Um, and I think you need to understand those sentiment metrics. NPS obviously are very well known. They're going to be uh, within those. And you're going to have the classic digital engagement metrics. And then you can see, okay, what uplift am I getting in the core business? Um, and, and what other benefits uh, am I getting through this? And am I able to actually create some new revenues? So I think it's really important Yes, to set the strategy, to have the implementation, but then to use new types of metric to measure what we are doing, um, not just those ones that we've just been using the whole time. And they're all going to be about customers. Are we engaging with customers? Are we delighting them? How do we adjust to make sure we're satisfying that customer universe or if we're acting as a community catalyst, if that's the way we, we're thinking of this? Hmm. We have been talking today on the podcast to Denzel Rankin, the Executive Chairman at AMR International, about the introduction of Exhibitions 3.0, a series of practical steps enabling organisers to secure longevity for their brands through improved relationships with customers. Um, Denzel, thank you very much for joining the podcast today. Um, if, if people do want to find out more about um, Exhibitions 3.0 and indeed any of the other um, uh, services and uh, what you guys are up to at AMR International, where do they go? How do they do that? Okay. Uh, well, please go and visit amrinternational.com, uh, which is our website, and you'll find the white papers and so on are all available there. Or also, feel free to connect with me. You'll find my email there, or obviously via LinkedIn. And also, we're just always happy just to kick around these ideas, just as I'm, I'm doing here, because we believe passionately in what can be achieved. And, and how much value there is in the industry. But it's such a time of change. It's really exciting to help people on the way. Mm. And also another shout out to Marco Giberti, a, a name that we know well on the podcast and obviously through our uh, our sister podcast, the Event Tech Talk Show and uh, and our community over at Event Tech Live. Um, yeah, big shout out to Marco. Hope you're doing well. Um, and that uh, that brings us nicely to the end of today's episode. Our thanks again to Denzel Rankin from AMR International for talking to us about their uh, exhibitions 3.0 and what they're about to introduce and some of those steps and loads more to talk about, loads more for you guys to find out about any of our podcast listeners tuning in to today's episode go over to amrinternational.com and find out what they've got what those guys have got and read some of the stuff that they put quite clearly a lot of hard work and thought into preparing for the industry and of course if you want to find out a little bit more about event industry news and everything that's going on in the various sectors of our wide industry please head over to eventindustrynews.com you can check out all the latest news features and supplements and indeed video versions of all of our podcasts and of course if you're already watching today's podcast on the eventindustrynews.com hello to you all don't forget that you can go over to your favorite podcast platform on wherever you get your podcasts from and listen to audio only versions of all of our 250 something podcasts and that brings us to the end of today's episode our thanks again to our guest Denzel Rankin from AMR International my name's James Dixon as always it's been a pleasure and I'll see you on the next edition of the event industry news podcast goodbye everybody mm -hmm.